Indeed, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. It constituted a critical lapse in judgment and a personal failure on my part for which I am solely and completely responsible. Testing, testing, coming in your ears, coming in your ears. That was Bill Clinton. Yeah. The follow-up to the I did not have sexual relationships with that woman. Were you alive then? Yes. Yes? Yes. That second one was in 1998. Yeah, so you would be alive. Yes. Were you, were you born in? I was eight, born in 89. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah. Well, do you remember it? No. I remember it. It was all over the telly when I was a whippersnapper. Yeah, but you were only allowed to watch the news. That is true. I was watching cool pro- programs like Recess and... Yeah, I could only watch the news and dinosaur programs. Yeah, there we go. It explains a lot. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so he lied and the first time he addressed the nation, he was like, yeah, I didn't I didn't bang her. And the second time he was like... I totally banged her. Did, I did do the banging. I did do that banging. Yeah, and he did, he did a lot of things to her. There's, there's stuff come out. He did stuff with cigars. Have you heard that? No, I don't yeah. think I want to either. Well, we could look it up if you no, want. No, I'm good. You know, I'm sure I'm there's, good. there's a recreation of it somewhere on Pornhub. I'd Probably, imagine. but let's not. Can we? No. Can we? No, okay. No. I'll do that later. So, <laughs> today, Wait a minute. <laughs> we haven't got Steph with us today because... As you can tell, it's a little bit quiet. She's um, doing... Getting, well, or getting ready, ready for, for a, a film. film. Yes. I don't know what the film's about. Um, she did tell us, wasn't it, about... Dinosaurs? Oh, something about dinosaurs. No, no, that's the next one that she's on. Oh, okay. This one's about vampires and that's about Ah, uh, it's going to be a classic. It is. Yes. So, yeah, today I'm just going to talk a bit more, a bit more freeform about the one subject I actually know things about. He has literally zero notes on this because he's that much of a nerd when it comes to this subject. Mm. Yes. Well, there are a few subjects. Uh, no. I mean, I did go to art school for four years, and I can't really remember any of that. So no, you would have thought, and the amount of money I paid, you thought I'd be some kind of expert in something academic or or artistically based. But um, no, it's Scientology. Scientology. This and the the law to the video game Fallout are the, my two encyclopedic knowledges. Even though he, he won't admit it, but he did get one of the songs from Fallout wrong. No, I didn't. Yes, she did. I didn't. Yes, she did. Anyway. See, told you we wouldn't admit right. it. Right, yes. So, I mean, it's probably best Steph isn't here, the less people involved in this one. <laughs> because, you know, Scientology don't like people talking against them. But I will say this to begin with. The world will be a, would be a lesser place without Scientology. I am glad Scientology exists. And and carry on carry on doing what you're doing. What? And nothing. I got nothing. What you 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 have to do legally defend yourself. So come up with something. I think cults are bad. No, I mean you gotta say something positive before we start. Why do I? 
because they might listen and they sue the shit out of people. Well, they've got snazzy uniforms. Yep, there we go. <laughs> right, so good uniform. And, oh, no, the building as well. No, they don't have snazzy uniforms. What the hell are you on about? They have snazzy... Oh, some of them do. Yeah. Some of them and do. Tom Cruise. Yes. He's good. He is a very good actor. He's a good actor. I like him. Yes. Uh, John Travolta. I'm a little bit in love with him. So mm-hmm. we're good. Yeah. And I kind of like the building. The yeah. building. Which the building, building. The one. The in, blue one. The blue one. Big blue. Because I like the, the architecture centre. of it. It's a good architectural. Yeah, it's called the celebrity centre. So. Be- and the ranch looks good. <laughs> nice. No, if you have to stay there. I'm being positive. <laughs> okay, it does look nice. Yes, it does visually look nice. it pleases me. It does look nice. Mentally, but we'll, we'll I'm get a bit to, disturbed by we'll what get, goes on there. We'll get in, into all of that. So I know I've forced you to watch a lot of Scientology stuff. Oh my God, yeah. So in a, in a nutshell, what do you know about Scientology in a sentence or two? What is it? L. Ron Hubbard is fucking crazy. He's badass, but he's crazy. Is that it? Is that all you know? No, I know a lot of other stuff, but I don't know if your listeners know a lot of other stuff, so I don't want to spoil any well, of no, the I'm asking. I'm you... asking. I'm not asking the listeners. They're just here for the, the listeners. Yes, I'm asking you personally, <laughs> Charlotte. Um, there's a lot of things like. Um, okay. Well, Al Ron summer... Hubbard wrote a book. Okay. Um, he has the Guinness World Record for the most books written. He does. And. He, Most books published, not written. I'm oh, some, sorry, some, published. Some published. crazy folks probably writing. written a, a one a day. Mm, but um, what else do I know? What caps. else do I know? Okay, um, well, well, go on. They don't want to talk to Louis. No, Louis is better. Nobody. They don't. They they, through, they, yeah. they stalk you mm-hmm. if you if you misbehave in their book. They stalk you. Mm-hmm. And you can go in for free, but yes. you can't excel at anything in the Scientology mm-hmm. without paying straight loads of money for it. Okay, that's a good, that's a good thing to, to um, point out. The book is called Dianetics. Close, Dianetics. Dianetics, sorry. Um, I've actually... V- been past the London Scientology place. Okay, right. We're just um, we're just getting into anything you can remember now. Yeah, so just pretty much. What? Okay, let me re- 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 rephrase the question. I was too broad. Maybe what does what do Scientologists believe in at the core? I'm not on about aliens. Okay, well let's not get into that. If you asked a Scientologist, what would what would they say that they believed? I really, again, want to say aliens. No, no, they wouldn't say aliens. I have no idea then. Okay. Well, the- I kind of, if you're on about a Louis documentary, I switch off as soon as Louis comes on because I'm just too busy staring at him. Okay. Well, the, the one of the main distinctions with Scientology and what makes it unusual is if you asked a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or a Buddhist, they could give you a pretty broad description of their faith within a sentence or two. So if you asked say a a Jew it would be we live by the commandment set down by God on how to live a moral life and to enter the kingdom of heaven to be with him if you asked a Buddhist it would be um, that uh, a soul reincarnates to to gather knowledge and understanding to reach the plane of nirvana and become one with the universe a Christian would be we 
we believe in a, a guy who sacrificed himself to absolve humanity from its sins so that we all may have the chance to be with God and complete. Yeah. So you could summarise that. So Scientology would... You have to be, as you just pointed out, you have to be in Scientology for a long time and a hell of a lot of money to get to its core belief system. So if you ask the Scientologist who's probably been in it a few years, maybe they might say something like, well, it's a religious technology. They'd use the word technology and we'll explain that in a bit. But a religious technology um, which is... Um, let me start getting, I'm getting confused. So, so the, a, a human being is some something called a Thetan, which is an immortal reincarnated being. Oh, I remember this bit. And that throughout our lives, we pick up bad experiences which attach themselves to us. And through Scientology, it aims to clear a person of those bad emotions. That's like, the basic thing, but that's not it. not where it really goes after a certain point. Are we mentioning about the volcano? We will get to the volcano, of course. We'll get to the volcano, but it's very different. If you ask again, if you go to a uh, if you went to a Christian at your local church, or if you went to the Pope, they'd probably give you pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Same with a, a Muslim chap in the street and an imam, depending on the the type of sect of whatever the religion is, of course. But it'd be fundamentally the same. But Scientology, if you asked a layman and then asked somebody who's at the top first of all they probably wouldn't even tell you because it's it's the kind of Hubbard said that kind of higher secret knowledge could kill you it could actually kill you just talking about it and we're going to talk about that obviously yeah it's in the clause when you get certain points so yeah Scientology is different and the way it's different is because Scientology is built on I keep mentioning it again and again but it's so important theophysy Madame Blavatsky who invented theophysy and the idea of theophysy was a new age encompasses like sort of Wiccan neo-paganism comes from it the world is populated by hidden spiritual leaders who will emerge and release their knowledge into the world and there will be great revelations and such and such. And Hubbard saw himself as one of these people. He was fascinated by theophysy. And he structured Scientology like a new age, um, like, um, what's the word? Uh, mystery school religion. So the higher up, the more knowledge you gain. So the, the tenants aren't there from the beginning, but you had to advance in levels. And like you get this in a cult societies get in secret societies and he was obsessed by this structure because when Hubbard I mean Hubbard grew up in he wasn't poor or anything like that Um, there's a vast discrepancy between Hubbard's actual childhood and Scientology he wasn't like a a bad kid or anything but he said he was like the youngest um, eagle scout in history of of, um, the what was it called in America is it the Boy Scouts isn't it yeah Yeah. Um, that he he travelled the world when he was a kid that he had all these adventures they're complete fabrications he never he never did any of these things in fact I think he was quite a sickly child so he didn't ah. he didn't really have these ex- well he didn't but the way Scientology and if you watch Scientology video about the about L. Ron Hobbit he's all like on a horseback oh, fuck, sorry. sorry I didn't realise it was still on yeah 
Um, yeah, so he's on horseback and he's doing all these things and it's all flashy and like uh, like the American dream of a child growing up in the, yeah. what would it be, 30s and stuff. So just to start off, L. Ron Hubbard, his, real, his full name is Lafayette Ron Hubbard. His father's Ron, so he... Uh, but Lafayette was his first name, but people called him Ron. That was the name he tended to go by. Um, so when he was, he was young... Um, he, he, he Where was, was a, he from? Like, which part? I America? want to. I don't actually know. <gasps> Guys, I we've know. just found out a piece of information that Nick doesn't know. You can know. Google it if you want. Um. Uh, yeah, yeah. One minute. Yeah, just Google it. I was. I want to say Montana. Where. Riding horse Either California or Montana. I, th- I swear he's from the West Coast. So somewhere prominent that horseback riding would have really been a thing. He's a country boy. Country road. Elron Hubbard. Nebraska. Nebraska, yeah. Not quite a rural. And he was born 13th of March, which is just a couple of days away. Mm-hmm. 1911. Yes. Yes. So when he when the Second World War broke out, he um, somehow um, got into a position where he, he joined the Navy. And... You know how that song goes. In the Navy. That's a good song. So again, this is a big thing where the, the history... So Scientology will tell you that... L. Ron Hubbard was this war hero. He saved people's lives. He led big attacks against the Japanese and stuff. And like bollocks, he he basically he joined the navy. Was a dreadful, dreadful commander. He somehow became an officer, maybe because his, his I think his parents maybe had some kind of connection. But he, he was he was an officer. On one occasion, he. Um, thought there was a submarine underneath his boat he was in charge of a small small ship a submarine for days and he dropped this huge amount of explosives in the water there was nothing there under the water and then the final straw was that he decided to shell an island but the island was friendly uh that's a dumbass move yeah i don't think he killed anybody but thankfully people were like what the fuck they're on our side but and the sea thing comes back into it so much. He was obsessed with the idea that he was a, a captain. In fact, he, he insisted, he went further than that, he, he insisted that people call him the Commodore later in life, which is... That's what you want me to call you, but um, the answer no, is no. I don't call him the Commodore. I don't like the sea. It's full of weird Seaman. shit, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, good joke. <laughs> Brilliant joke. So anyway, his military career during uh, the Second World wasn't great. He was dishonorably discharged from uh, from what if I remember him that correctly. Yes, from it did say on Google <coughs> that he was yeah. dishonorably discharged. And but he made this big thing of it. So after after the Second World War, it's there's a really really interesting story because he he started off and he was a writer and he was um, writer just he had this he did have a skill for writing quickly. He didn't write well but he wrote fucking quickly because he in the time you'd be paid per word i think in the magazines and the pulp magazines and he'd oh, write yeah, yeah. he'd write science fiction he sort of pulp he'd yeah he'd write pulp fiction hmm. so sci-fi uh, detective things thrillers and stuff guys i've read one of his detective works well i say i've read one i've read 
a paragraph yeah. is hard going to say the least they're not, they're not bad they're just they're just pulp fiction and he just he, he was his, his first wife famously said that he used to sit there and he was just dripping sweat over the, the keypad of the typewriter he'd just sit there for days just hammering out Minga, have a shower but have I mean that's bath. dedication he was L. Ron Hubbard the one thing I will say about him to whatever he, he put himself to he, he was incredibly dedicated even if he was dreadful at it he was incredibly dedicated to whatever he put his mind to sometimes the phrase fake it till you make it mm, yes. does count yes so he was living there he was married um, yeah, he had a, a, a young son um, and and they were okay I think again I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm remembering this accurately, but I think they were in California. Yes. And uh, he was working on, on scripts for films and stuff. Any any writing job he could get, really. And through certain circles, he met a man called Jack Parson. Have you ever heard of Jack Parson? There's there's a very... Well, still to this day, the Parsons Rocket Laboratory. Yeah. So Jack Parsons was a genius, like an actual once-in-a-generation genius with rocketry. And it pushed the, the American rocket program forward loads. But he was also obsessed with the, the occult and an actual practicing theological Satanist and would have occult parties at his... That's um, where I know him from. Not from the science-y stuff, but from the Satanist stuff. He looks like... I'll tell you who he looks like. Uh, what's the the antagonist in um, Bioshock? Not the... The guy who built the city in Bioshock. Oh. Oh, I can't remember, but oh, he looks not- like him. He's got the moustache. He's got the sort of swept-back hair, sort of high-shouldered suit and stuff, but he looks like him. Is yeah, that kind I, of yeah, yeah I, know who, I know what he So he would, like. he would have these society parties, and Hubbard got got into these parties and became an active member with him although Hubbard and Scientology actually admit that he was part of this this occult scene in California at the time but they said he was working for the government to infiltrate them he was on a secret mission a secret with yeah that's how they quotes. but this is where he picked up a lot of the structural stuff which would later become into Scientology and a lot of the ideas actually yeah yeah so they do this party and at one point um, they famously did the Mercury Rising um, ritual which is him and Parsons it's a sex magic ritual which comes from Alistair Crowley which is you know Alistair Crowley yeah, yeah, right yeah. he was not from not too far from us who pretty much invented kind of like that kind of dark occult ritualism Madame Blavatsky maybe gave it the structure but Crowley definitely gave oh, it the rituals it. and the yeah. all the pomp and ceremony of it and stuff like that so they they tried to create, uh, create the Antichrist. One of them had sex with this woman. Um, Rosemary's but, Baby is yeah, inspired. It is inspired by, by, that, the, by that event. Yeah, Roman Pol- Pol- Polanski was very big. And um, everybody, if you don't know what's wrong with you, if you're listening to this, you should already know. But Roman Polanski was Sharon Tate's husband, who was murdered. <laughs> by Charles Manson's followers and family. Um, but Roman Polanski also did a lot of terrible things himself. Yeah, there's, there's rumours that he, he he was a part of certain societies and stuff. Yeah, um, but he was very big on 
Well, he had to flee the country in the end because he was yeah. knocking a... Was it, how old was she? I Twelve. She was young. I can't yeah. remember. But he had to flee. But he's not even allowed back in America um, now, is no. he? Um, but he was very big on research and hence why Rosemary's Baby came about. Yeah. But have you seen that film? I've never seen Rosemary's Baby. I've watched that scene many times. Yeah. I don't know if it's it's inspired by the actual event how it took place, but it's definitely inspired by that ritual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but him and Jack Parsons, they, they knocked around for a few years uh, together, did these kind of rituals and organised this secret society they were part of. But they fell out because uh, Elrond Hubbard nicked off with Jack Parsons' wife, Sarah. Was this after his... Did his first wife die? Did she... No, he had a he had a bad habit of uh, just leaving people in the lurch. Apart from his last wife, Mary Sue, Mary she died. sort of she sort of followed him everywhere. But yeah, he nicked Sarah off off Jack, Sarah Winthrop, Winthrop, yes, Winthrop, Winthrop. Um, yeah, and she'd be his wife for, for quite a while after. Um, so yeah, they 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 went. Uh, he went his separate ways with Jack, and he went off with Sarah. He was still writing, and um, at some point. He had this idea, and nobody. It's not. It's it's kind of unclear how he got to this point. But he was. He was in his science fiction. He was dealing with quote unquote big ideas in quotation marks. I mean, they weren't. They weren't well written. The ideas, but he he was thinking about the cosmos and thinking about you know humanity's place in it and stuff like that. So yeah. he started working in the fifties on a book called Dianetics, which would beca- uh, eventually become Dianetics, the modern science of mental health. And in this book, he laid out his his idea, basically, that a human being, or what he called a Thetan, was this immortal, um, reincarnating spiritual soul that throughout its lives would have bad experiences attached to it and your current state of being is the accumulation of all those bad experiences and that you had to reach a state he called clear and we'll get how you get to that stage in a bit and once you were there um all this sort of amazing things would happen to you because you you no longer had this bad bad energy so you would have a perfect memory you'd be able to see better you'd be able to hear better your your mind would be vastly improved and he pitched later on we'll get into a little bit he pitched basically dianetics on this idea that he could make you superhuman yes but basically you could if you followed dianetics yes you would be superman yes and i've i've read dianetics it's a (laughs) massive book and it is so brutally difficult to read um not because it's it's complex in its excuse me in its ideas but it's written in certain in a in a very specific way and it uses words that he invented that don't exist in the dictionary and it is really it's not hard to read but it's hard to follow you just get lost you like I swear I saw that word 10 pages ago. What what did that word mean? So you have to constantly go back. And in fact, that actually becomes, I don't know, intentionally or unintentionally, that actually becomes part of his philosophy again, something we'll talk about in a little bit, one of the technologies of Scientology, because they don't don't call their... Christianity would call uh, its its practices sermons or um, ministries. E- e- the actual act of it of doing it, uh, yeah, or uh, yeah, like mass. And so, yeah, stuff you like get that. sermons, but in Scientology you have technologies. You don't have the normal.
more religious terms for things. So yeah, Hobbit wrote this book, Dianetics. He worked on it quite a few years, still supporting himself through writing science fiction and, and what have you. And he he thought he was on this massive breakthrough. So he, he said, this could really change the world. And there's no doubt he believed in it. He, he, he genuinely did. And he said, right, I've got to take this to the psychological establishment. They'll, you know, they'll be all over this because I've, I've found this, this way of what's really happening to people. It's not, it's not, it's not, um, psychological processes spiritual processes so we took it to the psychological establishment or sent it rather to various different institutions and they basically told him to fuck off this is garbage this has no merit whatsoever this is pseudoscience which it was which it was and that is the core of why Scientology despises psychology to this day there are exhibits you go Scientology centers and I've seen one when I went into psychology center once and there are exhibits about how evil psychology is the things it's done and of course psychology has done horrendous things yeah it's, yeah it's history most most academic processes have bad bits of course they do or they have people in it who use those kind of uh, they're good for the bad yeah they used they used well they want to advance the scientists but that's science but they do it completely unethically so of course psychology has well i mean in its early days it was pretty grim i mean you go back to freud's day and stuff and early asylums and not they even were that, nice that, places. that some of those practices were going on this a they do still go on in deep recesses of certain parts of the world as well as the for example electroshock therapy that still is not in the west not in the west but up until 19 early 1970s that was still common Mm. practice so Scientology is correct in that psychology does have a bad history but psychology has changed has adapted and it's become more academic and and more of a science basically it's moved away from that that kind of abusive um, unethical like almost sociopathic where it doesn't have any empathy with its subjects it just treats them as subjects purely um, which is maybe too much science and not enough not enough um, ethics because you know normally in science yeah. you're dealing with with matter and, and things that have no consciousness have no yeah whereas feelings. with psychology you've got to remember this is an actual live living yeah. person but obviously people forgot that at some yeah. point so it does have a point but to the extent now which it still vilifies psychology and it's kind of ironic because Hubbard wanted to be part of that establishment he, he, and the reason they hate it isn't because they, they like to point out the unethical nature of psychology or, or how it has been but because he was rejected by them yeah it's a complete revenge thing it's also like a child throwing his toys out the pram mm. isn't it it's like well no if I can't be part or somebody that's like no if I can't be part of your gang I'll make my own yeah. well they were they were probably the first on a long list of enemies that Hubbard would develop over over the coming years so he writes Dianetics and he, he he publishes it, he gets it published through one of his many publishing houses that he uses for his, his normal fiction work. Yeah. And weirdly it starts to resonate with people. And so he goes touring with this book and he speaks and lectures to people and then in in towns where he might have been groups would dianetics groups would crop up and and they would set up and they would start charging a fee 
to help you understand Dianetics. We obviously he's selling the book as well, but it's Dianetic pro- uh, Practices. And um, auditing comes in. So auditing is a big part yeah. of Dianetics. It, it's changed. It, it does change in the very early days. So when I went into it uh, about 10 years ago when I was at art school and there in Birmingham there was a very small um, Scientology centre. In fact, could you bring up for me, just have a look out of interest, I haven't seen it. There's a brand spanking new Scientology building in, in Birmingham that they've, they've made now. It used to be a tiny little office above a calf by the, the one at the back entrance to the train station. Yeah, so um, auditing. Uh, yeah, so auditing is the process, the technology, Scientology would call it, by which a Thetan will eliminate these uh, negative um, experiences from previous lives. Have you got a picture of the building? I'm getting there. Keep talking. Yeah, so they, the way of uh, eliminating your negative experiences. So it, it's based on a few things. Um, it's primarily uses repetition as, as as quite key tool. And the idea is that you, in a similar way to, to psychotherapy, you confront experiences until they have no emotional value. Uh, the difference is with psycho uh, psychoanalysis, it's confronting it to address it directly, whereas Scientology would say that confronting it just by mentioning it. Well, that's a bit snazzy. What's it look like now? Jesus. It's that's a lot better than the little yeah. shitty office they have above. So auditing used to be two people sitting down and just talking essentially. It used to be an assailant asylum. Oh, lovely. Even better. I'm sure they love that. Um where was I? Yeah, so auditing is Fundamentally, the process of, of two people sitting down and talking. So when it first began, and Hubbard um, uh, trained people to be auditors, you'd have to pay to be an auditor so you could yeah, yeah. give Dianetic practices to other people and help them and stuff like that. Um, nowadays, or for the past 30 years since the 80s, they brought in the e-meter. You know what the e-meter is, right? The tin cans. The tin cans. So it's basically a fun, um, a rudimentary lie detector, but a very... So a lie detector will measure uh, things like your heartbeat, your um, perspiration on your hands, things like that, electrical charge that's running through your body. Blood pressure. Blood pressure. Um, an e-meter basically registers only the electrical charge bit. It's, uh, I think it's, like, it's said to be a quarter of an e- uh, of a lie detector. Yeah. So you sit there and um, you hold these two cans. This is this is more the modern form of of, of auditing from the the eighties onwards. So you sit there and they ask you, "Well, should I go back and say how I actually came in there?" Yeah, I was talking about the office. So every day I used to walk past this, and there'd be people. You still see them. This is still their their way of getting people in. Really, they'll come up to you very nicely dressed, normally in a suit or something, and ask you, "Are you stressed?" And you'd, it's it's sort of a weird question because everybody's stressed, but it depends, you know, on the person whether you're gonna you can say, oh yeah, I'm really, I'm really you know, open up or just yeah, say, no, yeah. I'm fine, thank you. Um, and I said, no, I'm not, I'm not stressed at all. I'm just on my way to university. I said, oh, have you got? Um, yeah, it's really busy on the, the street today. It must be, you know, do you want to come in for a coffee for five minutes? I don't know why. I don't drink coffee. I think maybe she said tea. But I said yes. 
I said yes, just because she was really nice, and it seemed like there was a group of them there, and it was like a hot day, and I was like, "Fuck, this is boiling out here." So I went in for a cup of tea, and then they started explaining things, and um, like, "Oh, we're 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 a group called um, we no, sorry, they don't tell you who they are to begin with. They'll go, oh, we we're just trying to help people, you know, on the street today, and and you know, help them feel better about themselves." And I was just being polite, I was getting a free cup of tea out of it bit of reprieve from the boiling hot weather outside it's england that boiling mm. hot weather does not happen often in england if anybody offers you a bit of shade for five minutes you're theirs really and a cup of tea we don't like heat in this country but we do like our tea we do so yeah they you sit in and they, they'll talk to you a bit and that is a very soft sell and they'll say um well as soon as you're in here we do this test to see how stressed you are do you want to give it a go I was like, okay. I think maybe it was the time when I was smoking weed as well in my life, so I was, I was maybe a bit more pliable than I would be already. <laughs> so they sit you down and they give you these two cans. And they say, right, we're just going to ask you a quick personality test. That's all it is, just about personality. And you sort of like, okay, well, why am I holding these? Like, well, it just helps us measure it better. So they'll ask you um, about experiences and so be like, what's the earliest memory you have? And it's like you tell them the earliest memory. And it's like, just go over that memory again for me, would you? So they do this thing. And and, and a lot of the times they don't even go in with that. It's, it, they can just do like a checklist thing. It's like more like a personality test. For some reason, I got the, the cans straight away. And I know they do that with some people. They, they just give you the cans straight away. It's if, if you, you seem more pliable or not, which... Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But anyway, this I, I got a very brief introduction to auditing. It was very soft. And they didn't at any point tell me that they were members of the Church of Scientology. They just told me at the end... Um, uh, do you feel any better? So, I mean, yeah, it was a nice cup of tea in that. And, I'm uh, going to go to uni now. And uh, they're like, oh, we do courses. Um, can I talk to you about the courses? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm really just, you know, thank you for the hospitality for, for half an hour or whatever. Um, and I got out of there. And if I'd stayed, they would have tried to sell me up the yazoo on certain things. Yeah. But that's that's how they do it now. So auditing now, properly auditing. I'm not, not saying I experience proper auditing. But they will go over experiences. And if you have an ex- you talk about something and the meter on the, um, the e-reader, uh, it's called a theta bump. If it, if it goes in the middle and just wobbles, it means you're having some kind of spiritual reaction to that memory. And so, as I mentioned earlier, Scientology, through um, auditing, repeats over and over and over that memory, asks you about it from loads of different angles until that little thing on the e-meter doesn't register anymore. It means you've been cleared of that, that emotion. So basically, they wear you down until you're numb. <laughs> they wouldn't say that. Yeah, but basically, they would say that they've cleared you're no longer carrying around that emotion. It's it's probably desensitization to the memory. Psychologically, you know? psychologically, yeah, you're becoming numb to that emotion. Yeah, it's not. It's, well, it's not numb to the emotion. It's numb to talking about it. The emotion yeah. still might be deep seated in there, which is the problem. You know. Yeah. So if you're talking about something very serious, that is is psychological logically going to affect you to your course of kind of abuse or something like that if you talk over and over 
forget about it on a surface level you might become numb to it but it doesn't change the effect it's had on your psychology as a human being does it no but that's how they do it that's the basic part of 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 auditing and you know it's it's a core part i mean tom cruise still still probably goes for auditing sessions in these he's as high as you can you can get in the organization and auditing also has a now in scientology not so much when it was Dianetics, and we'll we'll go back to the history of Scientology in a sec. But it's important to note that you're giving an organization every small part of they your soul, everything that's that. ever 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 created you distressed, uh, embarrassment, discomfort. You have to tell them your first sexual you encounter. Have, yeah, you do. You have to if you, if you've ever had any deviant sexual encounters uh, yeah. or thoughts or yeah, even thoughts, uh, because it's all part of the clearing process and the only way you can become clear is to 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 go through all of this so you have to do it in order to get to that point so there's there's a burden on the person uh, not so much a burden because the, the person is paying for this these courses cost a lot a lot of money they can be just for the to, to get to clear it can cost tens of thousands of pounds just to get to that point yeah. because of the auditing because of the retreats the books are now horrendously expensive and there's probably like a hundred core books and they get reissued every couple of years and you have to buy the reissues and you're hounded constantly by parishioners of yeah. Scientology especially in the Sea Org to buy the books because that's the only way they can support themselves because they have no other sustainable income stuff like that but we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves so they will create a dossier on you and they do it on everybody not not celebrities they do it on everybody who goes for auditing and if you ever decide to leave Scientology the first thing that will happen is that drawer will, that folder will come straight out of the drawer off the computer and that will go to news organisations it will go to your neighbours it will go to your people in your local community and say look what a sexual deviant this person is they they um, I don't know they fancied their cousin when they were 10 years old or something or they, they let their cousin touch their breast or something yeah. something like this like there's so many things in a person's life that they're either embarrassed or ashamed about and Scientology will have access to every single one of those not even stuff that's happened but thoughts as well yeah but anyway we've got a bit of a head of ourselves so if we go back to uh, when Dianetics was, was first formed and he was going across the country and he was setting up these little organisations and yeah he was like franchising them he would uh, give people Dianetics training on how to audit people how to to get people to state of clear this mythical state of clear and he would charge them to be that and then they could charge them their people who come through their door and give still give Hubbard a little kickback for using his technology this went on for a few years but it's sort of style and there was a real big boom it was like a fad it was a, a, a fad across america for a while okay. for a period in the the, the 60s 50s and 60s but it sort of decided to die out especially when people realized they weren't getting these magical powers which is a bit of I a want a refund I don't have yeah. any supervision in those days it wasn't so pernicious with how much money you had to pay there was a cost to it but it, it's nowhere near what it's like now well, it, it was it was, was. affordable it was affordable no it wasn't it was 
a lot more modest in its um, pricing system. It was something that you could do as an affordable part of your life, essentially. And there weren't sort of full-time members. Well, there wasn't even a church yet. But apart from the people who who taught Dianetics, there weren't full-time members of the organization and stuff like that. So, yeah, and that went on. But it did did start to wane. And... um, yeah, a bit of these groups started to disband. People just lost interest, basically. It was just a new age. It was a time when people were playing around with new ideas, special spiritual ideas anyway, and things would come and go all the time. And this during this period is where Hubbard said his famous quote, because he was, at this point, being taxed on this, because it wasn't, you know, it was a business. It's only recently that they've got tax exemption. Well, we'll it? get into that. That's a whole running thing. But he was, because he was... Um, it, it, well, he was, he was a business, essentially. He was being taxed on it. And he said during this time when Dianetics was, was failing slightly, the only real way to make any money is to start a religion. And that's a accredited quote to Hubbard. Wow. So what he decided to do, Hubbard was deadly against paying tax. He was like um, a Randian, coming from Iron Rand, sort of mentality that a person had no obligation other to them to themselves and any wealth they generated should be theirs entirely. Mm. They have, they have no social responsibility whatsoever to give back in any capacity financially to the state, to the um, community, to whatever. You don't and mind so much paying to the state and the community. It's just you don't like opening your pocket for your girlfriend. I'll buy you, I'll buy you, I'll buy you two cans of Pepsi earlier. Wow, that's a pound. Just be grateful for what you get. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah. So, Hubbard changed tax. He's, he he realised he made a fair bit from Dianetics, even though it fizzled out. But he realised he could rebrand it. And if he did so by calling it a religion, he could get tax exemption because religions don't pay tax on anything. Yep. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this is when he founded Scientology. And he Where incorporated. Where did that from, though? It, he said it is the uh, it comes from science, which is knowledge, and ology, which is uh, mythology. The you were sorry, like the ology, like the sub, subsidization of a group of culture. He, he'd basically say it's the science of knowingness. That's how he described it. Yeah, ology is like the subsidization of a culture or a knowledge. Yes, the, the science of knowingness, that's yeah. what he described it as. And he rebranded Dianetics and he called it, instead of, it's still called Glowing, Going Clear, but he, he structured it more, more, right, structured it more and called it the Bridge to Total Freedom. So you'd still be going clear, but it'd be called the Bridge. You got to walk that bridge, man. So if you hear Scientologists talk about the bridge, it's the way of them getting from their miserable uh, corporal being. Yeah, to this this enlightened, clear person. So it's still the same. What's what are they called? The the. Thetans. The Thetans. So yeah. from the corporal being to the Thetans. Yeah. So the, and, and around this time as well. So he, he created more of these technologies, he'd call them. Um, and, and later part of the Scientology Institution would become uh, be called the um, the RTC, the... Uh, uh, oh, fuck's sake. Royal Training Centre? No. Robot. Oh, for fuck's sake. Technician Centre. Oh, uh, religious Technology Centre. God, I don't know why it took me so long to remember that. The Religious Technology Centre. I like Center. mine better. 
Yes. So there'd be things in there like um, he came up with these communication methods, learning methods, the learning methods I'll talk about just in a set of my probably my favorite thing about Scientology. And one of the things I've learned most recently, because it's, it's quite an in-depth it's, it's like, yeah, you have to take a deep dive into Scientology to turn, uh, figure out their learning techniques. But he realised he could sell, not just be, being this clear person, but it could make you a better communicator. He could help with those kind of things. And again, this is how Scientologists will get people these days. It, you might be an ad for like, do you want to interact with people better? Do you want to have better family relations and stuff? Scientology can help you with these because we've got all these techniques okay. to be able to do this. So communication, uh, famously, one of the things they still do today is um you will go in and you remember that scene from no cut that bit out sorry so they'll get you to to talk to inanimate objects that's one of the famous things i do that a lot with present presence of clearness i think it's called if i'm getting that correctly but they will have you shouting at inanimate objects it's like they'll tell they'll they'll say um this Brick. is a louis through documentary as well i don't i can't remember what object he uses um but it used to be ashtrays for some reason they used to like using ashtrays so you'd pick up the ashtray and you'd have to shout get up and then you'd say thank you and then you'd put it down go down now and then put it down so they they would have you shouting at inanimate objects I kind of do that when I'm drunk. Yes. I'm, when I walk into the thing, I'm like, shh, stop. Mm. And they, they, the communication stuff, it also incorporates, because when you see Scientologists, they tend to, especially the, the public ones who are press people and stuff like that, they have a very clear, most people would call it a cult-like gaze to them, but it's it's a very... It's the unblinking gaze. It is, but they're, they're kind of not like that all the time. It's a technique that they've learned rather than being in a cult, that kind of cult where you're like completely indoctrinated they're following a technique so yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like they're probably like that all it's the time it's an intimidation technique it is yeah they're, they're very clear of presence they're very clear communicators in what they might they might be saying got oh, a crap but they're very aggressive not aggressive is the right word confident confident with what they when they talk to people and that's one of the the techniques that and um and people that's why people stay because they they do these things they do these courses on communication or whatever and they do get benefits there's there is some truth there are some techniques in there which hubbard borrowed or stole from other places which are genuine techniques when it comes to communication and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, and they do work, and that's why people stay and go, oh, look, I've, I've learned this, and it's really helping me. It's, yeah, it's like that my... technique you were just done about. Mm. Like the, It's in a real psychology and behavioral analysis. <clears throat> it's called the dominance technique. Yeah. And a lot of CEOs and business people will use it because they need to be the dominant person in the room. Mm. And it's uh, what... <laughs> either the teacher glare or the mom stare is how it's more commonly known but it's yeah. that stare of no I'm not backing down <clears throat> yeah and it's a confidence thing yeah but there's 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 so many of these these techniques for everything for interpersonal relationships for um, how to, to structure your life and things which are too broad to discuss here but they they have a lot of things again which Hubbard probably stole bits and bobs from all over the place of things that actually worked and then melded them with his own philosophy his core philosophy about this this reincarnating spiritual yeah. being so the the teaching techniques um what's it called uh, study tech is is incredibly 
fascinating. So Hubbard came up with this idea that the and I'm I'm I'm, I'm not going to do it justice. So I won't explain why this idea came about, but I know that the idea itself. The only barrier to learning is that you do not understand a word. Right. So, not the concept of something, but the word. So, if you're reading something and say it's about nuclear physics, and you come across the word, I don't know, uh, uh, aerodynamics. Well, that wouldn't be in in in. Um, I was watching earlier about nuclear physics. <laughs> Makes me sound like a con. <laughs> oh, what was I watching earlier about nuclear physics? You are, but there we go. Different story entirely. Um, I don't know. Oh, for fuck's sake. Don't even I'm use nuclear go. physics then. Use something else. Oh, uh, okay. Um, How do... Trains. Let's talk about trains. Oh, you're asking me to think about trains now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. No, I was sorry. I was watching something earlier about di- disposing nuclear waste. So, say within what? the. About disposing nuclear waste. Now I'm worried. So, I'm going to choose a word that's inappropriate as well. I'm going to choose the word penetration. So, say, for example, you did not understand penetration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, I've walked myself into that. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> We're going to funny. stick with that because I'm too tired to think of another word. It's late. Um, so, yeah. So, in the context, you're re- reading about radiation and how it won't penetrate certain substances or how, how it has a low penetration rate. Um, stop laughing. <laughs> So, yeah, so the the physics behind that are quite complex. It's to do with uh, the decay rate of a material, its composition, stuff like that. But to Hubbard, the only real, well, the only reason why you wouldn't be able to completely understand how, say, a um, carbon-12 radioactive isotope won't penetrate something is because you do not understand the word penetration. So then what you're supposed to do is get a dictionary, look up the word penetration, so you reread it right still don't understand that so there's the word decay here do i really understand what the word decay means so you go to the dictionary and you look up the word decay now there might be words in the dictionary in the description of decay that you don't understand so you'd look up those words and it becomes this spider's web people people outside who've left Scientology saying this was the most stressful part of Scientology for them because it it gets you into a state of mind where there's an incredible futility like this is never ending this I will never achieve this I will be stupid forever you start to to question because you're constantly going through words it's like okay well I've got to go this word well I don't understand what that means well I know I understand all the words in that description great I can go back to the bar fuck there's two words here I've just read that I don't understand so back to the dictionary there's more words in that so and he thought just by understanding the word you could understand it doesn't matter about context it doesn't matter about concept it's the word itself that's not how learning works no and they they tried to get this in schools many times and in certain areas of the world which are um maybe a bit laxer on uh, academic standards they've actually managed to get in some places in small ways yeah but it is it's not a way to learn and it is really counterproductive to learning and thank god it's never been tried out in any school systems properly i think there's been in america one or two that have adopted it maybe because the uh, an experimental way because the head teacher might have been a scientologist or something 
but it's, it's bad and it again for a lot of people it is the worst part of being a scientologist i mean there are lots of things that are you know working for well we'll get into it in a minute but that is it's because you, you can imagine yeah reading the same thing you'd I, be you'd be on one book for constantly every day for what a month you must do to look up every word in a book that you don't understand, and every dis- part of every th- descriptive well, word Google you don't it? They're not allowed to use Google? Well, they are, but then you'd have to check every... It's the same. It doesn't matter where it is. So it doesn't matter where it is. you're not allowed to understand the concept, just the words? No, no, it's not about barring you from doing something. Hobbit said, this is the only way to understand something, by understanding the words that are used to describe them but for your example penetration can use have many different meanings it, depending on it does the context. but hubbard would say well as, as long as you know the full description of the word penetration you could apply it to any context it's true actually that bit is true well, it's not really true penetration to enter something yes okay i've, I've chosen maybe an overly simplistic word but it doesn't really help you understand the decay rate of carbon-14 atoms does it no because you need to know why carbon 14 atom is different to another atom and stuff like that yeah but it gets you into that phase so there's okay yeah so this was all part of and still is part of it of the religious technology um, side of, of Scientology, so he, he started and um, he was he was hit the ground running. Really, he got sorry. He hit the ground running. Yes. Okay, I did think for a split second you said he was Hitler the round run, running. Don't know what that means. Hitler round running. Yeah, no, I get the words. I think you oh, you're said. gonna have to give me a dictionary because I don't understand the concept. Of that. It, I'm gonna have to look like up. It's like penetration, Nick. Mm, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, he, he got some momentum again, and he was a very good salesman. Hubbard was a very confident salesman. Did, he, um, what? Did he use a lot of the techniques that he taught himself? Yeah, he was, he was a definite believer in what he wrote. Again, I can't, you can't fault him for not... He, he, was, he wasn't like one of these spiritual leaders who just does it completely for his own benefit. Of course... He did, but it, it wasn't like he lived a massively luxurious lifestyle or anything like that. He, Didn't he live on a boat? He did. We're going to get to that in a minute because that's, that's a really important part. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he, he was developing Scientology. He he rebranded it. He was making more money because he wasn't paying taxes. Although he hadn't actually been given religious status, he just declared himself as a religion. And this, like you mentioned earlier, would be a long battle with the IRS, the American... Uh, tax office and not only um, not until after Hubbard's death did the IRS finally give Scientology tax exemption because ta- uh, Scientology were, were facing a tax bill for billions not millions but billions yeah yeah and um, it was the right way- after the Louis documentary was released wasn't it no no it took in um, just a couple of years after he died so late 80s early 90s oh okay and they finally got it they had a massive big they called it the war and they had this massive thing balloons came down from this huge 
um, auditorium. There's like the war is over in 20 foot letters on the stage and stuff. And David's min- miscavaged the current leader was there and really cheering. Yeah. But then the IRS, yeah, they, for, for what, 40 years, uh, or nearly 40, no, 30 odd years, 35 years, they were constantly on it, Scientology, like, look, you're not a religion. We won't class you as a religion. And sort of the IRS aren't really in America. They're the ones who get to decide whether something's a religion or not. But it's a, it's a, it's accountants. It's not made up of philosophers and stuff. So it is poorly equipped in a way to decide what is a religion and what isn't. I mean, in Hubbard's case, he declared it as a religion in order to to get to not pay taxes. So from the onset, it's it's a bit a bit naughty, tongue in cheek, a bit naughty of him doing that. So yeah, he was he was trying to play the system. It wasn't like he he created a religion for the sake of it being. And a religion. A religion. It was just he didn't want to pay tax on anything, he or the organisation, basically, fundamentally. But towards the end of the war with the IRS, Scientologists were, were uh, had this massive marketing campaign against the IRS saying uh, they turf people out of the house, all the bad, like they did with psychology, yeah. basically. And they were sending lawsuits constantly to the IRS, making people's lives at the IRS hell. And then one day, David Miscavige, who we're going to talk about, I uh, said to them, you know, if you class as a religion, all these lawsuits, all this media campaign will just go away overnight. And they were like, yeah, okay, yeah. They got to that point where one of the biggest institutions in the most powerful country in the world was was so harassed by Scientology. I kind of feel like we need to stop now because I don't want that. <laughs> they let them off with a, a couple of billion dollar tax bill, yeah. Um, so yeah, he was he was, um, but during this time they still weren't classed as a religion. And during this time he had uh, another son, and his wife Sarah, who he stole off Jack Parsons, the Satanist. Um, she left him because he was going a bit. His psychological quirks, let's call them, were starting to show themselves. Like he would disappear for days on end. At one stage, he kidnapped their son and left uh, him with a woman who was like mentally uh, severe learning and the the baby nearly died it was malnourished and stuff and he was doing things like he was screaming running around rooms like throwing stuff and um being abusive he was he was being abusive to his nastier side of his nature was coming out which in his incredible narcissism which was always really there especially in the way you see he decided how he decided scientology to portray him and his his childhood and his his military career and things like that he he became an intense narcissist like jim jones level narcissism okay that kind of that kind of thing most cult leaders do have that Mm. although weirdly with with um apart from a few people like there are cases of abuse within scientology physical um emotional abuse uh not really from Hubbard, apart from his his, his ex-wife, who, who claimed he was abusive physically and, and mentally and, and mistreated their, their child. There's there's never any allegations of him directly attacking or assaulting anybody. Definitely nothing. In fact, in the whole of Scientology, I've never 
for the, the decade or so I've been fascinated with it by uh, no sexual allegations. Um, I don't think allegations. he would have been the type. I think he's too Well, not just from him, fined. but from... Yeah, but the, the sexual angle is I've never heard a single report of anything coming out of any part of Scientology about sexual I abuse. Thought, uh, what was the lady's name who was in uh, King of Queens? Leah Remini. I think she said something about I've, sexual I've abuse. I've never heard it. Maybe, maybe just as individual, but ne- definitely not anything systematic. But yeah, so he was he was doing this, and um, they started uh, getting wealthy people in. So the money started really rolling in, especially targeted um, celebrities. Yeah, and this is a thing that's still there today. The, one of the biggest Scientology centers is in LA, and it's called the Celebrity Center, the Big Blue. My favorite building. Yeah, the Big Blue, and he. Um, yeah, and he even created uh, in the Hollywood Hills a little film studio where they could start making Scientology Battle films Star and Galact- that kind no, of stuff. Not Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Battlestar Earth? Battle... Um, yeah. Something. What's it called? Battlefield Earth. That he one. wrote the book and then they made a dreadful... Well, John Travolta pretty much funded it himself, I think. But yeah, people were really getting into it and they were like... They got to the state of clear, they crossed the bridge and they were like, we want more, we want more, Ron. And he was like, okay, I'll give you more. So he went and had a thought and he came up with the next level of Scientology. So this is... So you've got the bridge to tell freedom where you're clear, where you're, you're free of your yeah. burdens and stuff like that. Um, you, you pass traumas from your past lives. So this is when it switched now and it added a massive part to the scale. And if you look at a Scientology scale, you've got the bridge at the bottom, which is relatively small. And then you've got the things called the OT levels. Have you heard of these? Yes, before? that's the graph you want. Yes, I really want one, but to get an original one is really impossible. I might have to make my own. <laughs> so OT stands for Operating Thetan. And OT goes to up to OT8 currently. He died before it yeah. any further up. So, um, so yeah, you're clear. And then you get into the OT levels. And there's several ways you can get into the OT levels through the Sea Org by giving service and we'll, we'll talk about the Sea Org in a minute because that's that's an incredible part of, important part of the, the whole Scientology story but um, all paying shit tons of money and when you get to uh, the OT, OT levels you do some basic stuff at OT1 and OT2 and this is supposed to expand on your the abilities you've already gained when you got to the state of clear so it's okay. furthering your memory furthering your abilities that you've learned furthering your communication and stuff like that OT3 is um, oh, what's it called the, something of fire he called it that oh my god you bad at this, Nick. There's so many things in my head about this. It's it's, uh, it's like the baptism of fire. Something like it's, it's got fire. He, he called it that. So you do OT three, and they sit you down. You, there's only certain place in the world you can do OT three, and I think they're both. They're all in America. I think they are. Um, so you go into a room, and in this room there's a table. There's no windows in this room or anything. This is how somebody will experience OT3 now. And they, the person will come in with you and they will bring in a locked briefcase. They will put the briefcase on the table and lock it, or a case. I think it's a metal case, actually. And they bring out this handwritten manuscript. And on this manuscript, where you're told before you are about to receive the 
secret knowledge of the universe. This is built up as this thing, like, this is it. You're like, ready for this. This is going to be all the real secrets of the universe explained to you. Not just about your own spiritualness, about your own spiritual being, but about the entire universe. So, yeah, they open this, and it's handwritten manuscripts. It's only a couple of pages long. And people who have read it and talked about it oh this is the thing that if you talk about you will die okay this is why when you ask people who've got to this level especially celebrities there was the the famous john sweeney documentary and he was asking people about this they're not only afraid they're afraid for him if they talk about it if they talk about it they think he will die because he's not prepared so the other preceding two ot levels are to prepare you for this moment okay so yeah so people who have read it said this is a garbled two-page scrawl that looks like it was written when he was drunk so this this talks about how around i think it's 60 billion years ago the universe is only uh 4.5 billion years <laughs> I'd look at my arm there for my tattoo. 14 billion years so ago, six, the expansion started. Wait. 60 billion years ago, this there was an intergalactic federation of planets, which still exists today. So it's well, duh, it's called the solar time. system. And they elected a man named Xenu to be the overlord of the galactic <gasps> federation. So let's remind... Okay, let's... Remind ourselves at this point, this man wrote science fiction for a, a good portion of his life as a living before he gets this. And this is the, the mystery of the universe. This is the volcano. Yes. So Xenu, um, the planet where he was from and the, the, the star systems were incredibly overly populated. So his uh, answer to this overpopulation was to kill billions of people. <laughs> And these are also let's let's go into this story that this this sixty billion years ago, um, and Hubbard says this in the in the manuscript, and he he makes references to it. Looked exactly like America in the nineteen fifties. Exactly, they drove the same cars, they wore the same suits. Because you know, fifties is timeless. So sixty billion years ago, it was nineteen fifty three in America. No, it was nineteen fifty three minus sixty billion. Yes, but that's what their civilization looked like, but with spaceships. The 50s are timeless. Yes. Well, you could say that. You could say that, maybe, yeah. So, right, yes. <laughs> so, there, he killed billions of people. By? No, that's no. not, that's that, now nah, that's the important bit. That's that's the good bit. So, he kills them, and he collects their, their souls, their feet and energy. No, not yet. Oh. And he... <laughs> Excuse me. You're confusing me now in the story. You collected the souls. Sorry, no. Right, going back. Yeah, I got confused. Good. You're confusing me where to put the volcano in, but I'll go now. So he kills these 50 billion people. He takes their bodies. He takes them to a planet called Tijiak, which is Earth. It's the, the name for Earth, the real name for Earth. Drops their bodies into volcanoes. Into a volcano! And then sends in a load of nuclear bombs. Because blows the volcanoes out, which is, 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 is why the front cover of Dianetics is a volcano. Uh, coincidentally but 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 yes and then 65 million years ago six, no 16 billion yeah 16 billion years. 60 60 billion years ago nuclear weapons weren't developed yes anyway so he took them oh the spacecraft looked like 
they didn't look like spaceship. They looked like planes, especially DC tens from the nineteen fifties. So they were they were American bombers from the fifties, but could also do in, into into galactic. Uh, thank you. Space trouble. Right. So, yeah, he puts their bodies in the volcanoes, blows the shit out of them, and then they collect the souls, the Thetans, who are all the things of these people, and he no, takes like, these. Let me, let me, if, I don't, if you keep interrupting me, we're not going to get through this. <laughs> it's fun, though. So, he takes the souls of these, these dead alien 1950s people. He puts them in giant laboratories and forces them to watch videos about how good psychology is. What? Yes. Yes. What? Yes. So we get from throwing them in a volcano, exploding them with nuclear weapons, collecting them all when they look like jellyfish. Yes. Sticking all these jellyfish in a lab. Correct. Um, Well, more of a theatre. Theatre. Auditorium. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so jellyfish floating around in an order in an auditorium with yes. a movie that's playing that is basically psychology about how bad psychology. Oh, is. about how bad psychology mm. is. Yes, right. So Even though we following so psychology far. wasn't developed until the mid eighteen hundreds. I mean, could you imagine if um, I'm, I mean I'm agnostic and I, I don't step too much into that thing, but could you imagine if you got to God and He started telling you a story like this? It'd be like God, God, God. This is why you created man, mate. Yes. So, right, yes, the spirits of these people, they've been brainwashed to think certain things. They were, there were other things that they were shown, but the psychology thing was one of the worst. Psychology wasn't developed until the middle. Yeah, I know, you think about it too much. Anyway, so then these, these spirits were released and all stayed here on TG at the prison planet. Then early man evolved separately on this planet, somehow exactly the same as the people in the Galactic Federation. And then all these Jellyfish. dead thetan souls attach themselves to us so clearing yourself on your own is only clearing one soul in that body which may have millions and billions of souls so the operating theta levels are designed to get rid and clear every single soul that has ever attached itself to you he was drunk i'm I'm gonna say it now he was either drunk Oh, when was this pit let's say if you wrote in the 60s there's a lot of drugs available in the 60s uh, he it was either high yeah he did use drugs or drunk sometimes or both because that was both. also a thing in anyway, the 60s so yes yeah, so it was written people, not piped up people when they get to this stage can be a bit pissed off because they've spent you maybe think? millions at least this point uh, depending on who they are and, and the contributions they made and they think they're clear they think they're this perfect spiritual being and then they've just been told actually you might have a couple of billion dead alien brainwashed spirits attached to you and we need to clear those you're gonna need to get your checkbook out you're gonna need to get your checkbook out and some people lose their minds at this point some people leave because they're like fuck this like fuck this. No first more. of all this this story is r- ridiculous or or they just can't take it because they've put so much into it is and this story available on kindle but the upside of the uh, the Galactic Federation people they rose up against Xenu and imprisoned him and he's still in a prison today somewhere he's trapped under the North Pole in the Ice Palace and he's just waiting for his son to come and rescue him yes, yes. aka the plot of Superman yes 
So, right. Anyway, back to back to the history of Scientology. But that is the universal secret of Scientology. That is there are OT levels above that, but they're more communication skills how to how to um, combat these alien spirits. But that is the ultimate knowledge of Scientology that you are infested with dead alien spirits from a galactic man Dinu 60 billion years ago. Right, so yeah, so uh, Hubbard was doing well uh, despite things, uh, despite his personality and his quirks. And uh, the IRS were like, "You really need to pay this bill. It's racking up." So he did a runner. He left the US and he took to the sea because he's a seaman. Because he's always fancied himself as this this commodore, seaman. And he created the Sea Org, which were mostly young um, mm. people. And there's famous videos of him walking around the deck, and they. They was they were the people who joined him on this. They they weren't called the Sea Org to begin with. They were joining Hubbard on an adventure, an adventure to find ancient civilizations to uncover hidden knowledge that have been lost. Yeah, they did go and find try and find Atlantis. They went around the, oh, uh, the Caribbean a lot. Uh, yeah, so these the these people basically donated their lives to it. And the, the thing, the Sea Org exists today, and this is where it comes from. But even back then, you had to sign something. Do you know what's on the contract you have to sign to be in the Sea Org? Your life. Oh, no. All of your lives and your possible lives. You and have to sign a billion, it says on it, a billion years. I didn't know the specific number. I just knew that you, you had to sign, sign all of billion, your lives you, away. You literally sign a billion years. and everything. Contract to be, to be in the Sea Org and these are the people you describe as the fancy dressers. Oh, the, the secret hats and, and all of Swiffy tops. Yes, they wear. They dress like a, a well, like a, a, a navy admiral or something yeah. without the hat. Well, they still actually they wear the hats, but they've got epaulets. They wear all the frills the and stuff like that. Skirts. And this is where it comes from because Hubbard was afraid of getting put in prison by the IRS, so he took to the sea, basically spent his money on a boat, and went. And that is where he controlled Scientology from. Did and they went over to England, and they they set up um, a few bases in there uh the uh saint hill manor in somerset or is it suffolk one of the two uh which is still a big scientology place there and hubbard kept moving around but he kept having to go back to the sea because he was being hounded by various different authorities who he just wasn't paying taxes anywhere he went and is uh, this boat a spaceship no it's not no, it's not a spaceship. Yeah, so people, they were basically his servants on these boats. They would, um, and, and the, the Sea Org is still to this day, and has always had a reputation for if you're a lower Sea Org member, you are treated like dirt, like there are people who were um, forced to uh, scrub toilets with toothbrushes. And so, in fact, there's a, a very famous story about. Um, uh, because Tom Cruise was married to Nicole Kidman, yeah. wasn't he? Or he was going. Was he married to or going out with her? Married. Yeah. So they were married, and the problem was they they hated this because Nicole Kidman's father was a psychologist, and he's a very good psychologist. yeah, very famous psychologist. And they did, and and Tom Cruise he joined when he was in his his early twenties, but he was actually breaking away in the eighties from and early nineties from Scientology. And um, during this whole period, and this drove 
the leader, David Miscavige, and we'll get to how David Miscavige became the leader of Scientology in a bit. But uh, it drove him mad because Tom Cruise was the biggest promotional thing for Scientology, you know, world-renowned action hero Tom Cruise. You know, can't be bad if he's in it. I mean, look how great Tom Cruise is. I mean, he is an amazing actor, I think, Tom Cruise. I think Not he's in a good actor. But he's in... Have you ever seen Magnolia? Yes, oh, with so Nicole good in Kidman. That. He's so, no, he's not in... No, that's Eyes Wide Shut, you're thinking of. Which one? Oh, no, it's Penelope Cruz that was in Magnolia mm. with him. No, that's Vanilla Sky. Oh, is it? Yes. No. Yes. Right. So, um... Where was he? You distracted me now. No, you distracted yourself. You asked me about Anyway, he'd been pulled away from the church. He'd been pulled away from the church and they wanted to bring him back in. So there were certain members of the Sea Org and the Sea Org became the secretive thing and they became the dominant, and they still are today, the dominant people in Scientology. They, they run it because they were, the, at the time, the people closest to Hubbard surrounding him and stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah, and... It, Tom Cruise did break up with Nicole Kidman there's some suspicion that Scientology made it happen and stuff like that but they decided to replace Nicole Kidman with a woman so they went to the lower end of the, the Sea Org um, uh, not physically replace her like a, a, a doppelganger nothing no get him a new girlfriend basically and to bring him back in Scientology so if he had a Scientologist girlfriend he'd be more inclined to yeah you get the whole plan it's not very sophisticated but there it is um, yeah so they, they find this, this really pretty girl who was a low ranking Sea Org member and they take her and they because they know Tom Cruise inside out they make her look like they know Tom Cruise likes his women they do her hair like it make her dress like it they take her to the most expensive beauty salons money can buy and stuff like that and then they present her to Tom Cruise essentially at a, a, a party and they hit it off or she's told that she's there for that specific reason to engage in a relationship with Tom Cruise and they do have a, a relationship but um one day she was at Tom Cruise's and David Miscavige, the, the leader, was round and she yawned in David Miscavige's um, presence. And she'd been living with Tom Cruise for a couple of months at this point. It was a secret relationship, you know, and it wasn't really in the papers or anything. But Tom Cruise, after David Miscavige, went, went absolutely ballistic at her said he'd embarrassed him in front of her and, and broke it off essentially and the next day she ended up yeah scrubbing toilets with a toothbrush wow yeah Tom Cruise you're a bit of a douche so they, they do treat you're not paid oh, no sorry you're paid I think it's a dollar a, I think it's a dollar a day to be in the Sea Org and they can get away with that because they're a religion and they'll call it religious service <laughs> so yeah it's about so you have once you're in the Sea Org it's incredible difficult to come out because you have you have no life you have no all your friends are Scientologists it's not like when you're a public member and you can just go into psychology centre get the things and then come back out you are in it for good you live on the bases you eat with everybody you you, you have no employment apart from this dollar a day um, you're, you're either a cleaner a secretary a porter or a staff member to other higher up people in the C organisation that makes sense it does sounds boring as shit well it's incredible and you work like 18 hour days and stuff like that and I thought being your own boss and there's a a nice nice little place in the world um, that you mentioned earlier it's called the ranch it's called the RPF the Rehabilitation Project Force and Scientology's pictures of the Rehabilitation Project Force are lovely 
this ranch. It's, it's said as a place where Scientologists could unwind, that kind of thing. It's a porter cabin that contains way more people than it should, and high-ranking people from Scientology. If like the leader, ex-leader of Scientology, or ex leader of one of the divisions of Scientology has been in there for about 10 years Yeah, yeah. in this one room uh, my, not my Rathbone but other high ranking members have been in there and um, David Miscavige likes to play a, a game in there, it's called Musical Chairs where um, like he'll basically playing play Musical Chairs but to stay in the RPF because if you lose then you'll be kicked out of the organisation completely so people actually like fight each other beat each other up and stuff and like there's no heating in there the the food is rancid and it's like the amount of abuse reports that have come out of that place by like people who are like cardinals basically of Scientology have been kept in this place if you offend the leader so I guess well, if you if you offend Miscavige basically yeah, yeah. so I guess it's, it's a good point to talk about David Miscavige actually because he started off and Aaron Hubbard had a um, can't remember the studio name but he helped Hubbard make the promo films for Scientology and he was his little cameraman and he became like uh, Hubbard's little pet kid that would follow him around all over the place and he joined the Sea Org at a very early age, rose up through the ranks and when Hubbard died in 1986 he he was really young, he was in his early 20s or mid 20s rather but he and a core group of his friends had basically put themselves in a position within the Sea Org they'd surrounded themselves so that, surrounded Hubbard because Hubbard went into hiding um, in the the, the last couple of years of his life because he was he was paranoid he was actually probably shown signs of schizophrenia a paranoid schizophrenia but he was in hiding and he was controlling everything from a tiny little cabin and Miscavige because he was close to Hubbard managed to get himself into a position where all information to and from Hubbard was through him Yeah. and he created this circle around it so when Hubbard died he it was a coup he essentially shut everything down and controlled everything consolidated everything took over the religious technology um, centre and got him to self declared chairman of the board which is essentially leader of yeah. Scientology because um, again they don't use things like priest or bishop they use chairman they use uh, officer. officer they use very, either military or business terms to describe their their clergy like they wouldn't even call them clergy um, so yeah David Miscavige and um, he has always had a reputation as being physically abusive and verbally abusive towards people he is a, a megalomaniac in fact his his wife um, there is was a, missing is missing she's been missing for what 15 years now 10 years she's no 15 years now is it been 15 Shelley Miscavige yeah and there's reports that she is inside this hole where where because Scientology has a history of people do go missing within Scientology and they will never they won't admit what's happened like Lisa McPherson there was a big thing in the 90s okay so Lisa McPherson and Lisa McPherson was a Sea Org member and she had uh, like a psychotic or psychological episode and instead of doing the right thing and taking her to proper treatment they contained her in essentially a broom cupboard for um, a long period of time didn't feed her properly didn't water her properly she was having this episode she, so she didn't know what was going on she wasn't eating drinking and she starved to death in a, basically in a broom cupboard so they, they like locking people away 
and trying to treat them for something that doesn't exist or in David Miscavige's um, case locking people away he thinks are a threat to him and then having abusing them essentially and people have escaped from this and they say it is horrendous horrendous especially when he's there Um, and he's not been seen in public really for for quite a long time he's been yeah he's been chairman of the board since 1986 yeah 86 because Hubbard died exactly a year before my birthday on the 24th of January so a year to the day before I was born Hubbard died so yeah since 1986 and in the past I can't remember the last last public event he gave I mean he's given internal you've ever seen those grand sort of um theatre things where they say how great Scientology is doing and they give out awards and there's that famous bit of clip from Tom Cruise talking about Scientology and stuff yeah, with yeah. his eyes all like crazy and stuff and um, he, he hasn't done one of those in ages either he's just completely sort of almost Hubbard-esque just running it from somewhere so yeah I mean I don't know where we've got to really in the story. There's so much to it. But yeah, he, him and his small group of friends through the Sea Org took it over. And um, Scientology had a boom in the 90s. Um, they jumped on this kind of um, self-help movement that resurged in the 90s and, and, and got that kind of thing. And they got the tax exemption. But one of the things was in the tax exemption was that they can't a religion can't hoard money they're not allowed to do that they have to show that they're spending their money um on the institution itself and that could be a number of things but scientology did it in property so scientology has this incredible portfolio of some of the most expensive um plots of land anywhere in the world i mean in hollywood they they own vast areas of of in the hollywood hills and all over california that like ridiculous sums of money to buy i mean there's the celebrity center alone god knows how much they own manners all over the world i mean we just saw that picture of we'll put it up on this no maybe we won't put it up on the social actually i don't want to get more trouble the place in birmingham which is like this huge daily home it used to originally was built in the 1800s and was an asylum asylum yeah in florida they've got the flag base and they basically own this town called clearwater florida that will a lot of the property there and this this brings it to a weird sort of junction because Scientology in the last 20 years has had a lot of bad press it really started off with the John Sweeney documentary did you ever see that? I think you've Where made me watch it it's famous because at the end he's taken to a um He's famous for Tommy Davis, um, who's, again, not been seen in ages. He was the public spokesman for Scientology, but after this documentary, he disappeared. Even though, bless him, he did his best. But John Sweeney, at the end of this documentary, is for Panorama, BBC Panorama, uh, had enough, and he he just started shouting at this woman because she'd forced, uh, she'd given him this tour of this How Bad Psychology exhibition it was that they yeah. put on. And he just lost it and started shouting at it, and he, you know, he does apologise to his credit. But in that, he interviewed um, some of the stars like Leah Remini before she left he interviews um, uh, what's the girl from Natural Born Killers Juliet Lewis um, Kirsty Alley um, uh, mostly the women I can't remember that there's another famous woman but they're, they're quite a big star um, Jessica Gay was in Scientology 
Beck, the singer, who's one of my favourite music artists, is also a lifelong Scientologist, but not not a zealot one. Um, Leah Hudson was. It's it's debated whether she she famously had to give birth in complete silence. That was one of Hubbard's things that a baby couldn't be born to the sound of screaming. So a woman had to, without epidural, without any uh, pain medication, had to bear. screw that. Years. Screw that. Years. So yeah, that was a tenant. Um, yeah. So in the past twenty years, it has got a lot of bad press, and the membership of of scientists Scientology has has, has declined. So if I mean, you, most people will have heard of Scientology. You oh think? gosh, yeah. yeah. Like even my brother, who's not big on true crime or cults or anything, he knows what Scientology is. So how many Scientologists would you take a guess are in the world practicing type psychologists? Um. They're all over the world. They've got centres on every continent. I'm really bad with numbers. Hundreds of countries all over the world. I'm really bad with numbers, but I'd say it's probably percentage-wise. I'd probably say. Well, how many? How many people? How many? I'm bad with numbers like that, so I'm going to say probably about three percent of what the world. Of religious population, yeah. Well, that doesn't mean anything. I'm asking you, how many how many Scientologists do you think there are in the world? I don't take a guess. No, take a guess. I don't know. Why won't you just take a guess? Because, I don't know, a million. million? No. I don't know. There's Two only million? about... Pardon? Two million? No, you're going the wrong way. There's about 30,000 active Scientologists in the world. They're tiny. Okay. They're so small um, compared to how they used to be. But they're so prominent because they're so rich because they've got so because that small group donates so much money and they've got this property all over the world that they were forced to buy but actually worked out massively in their favour okay so that's why they're such a prominent organisation they they don't really have a membership anymore apart from the core membership people aren't really going into Scientology centres anymore and taking Dianetics classes they're trying to hold on to the membership they've had perhaps because of the bad media like you've said though that's why people aren't so into joining yeah because people are learning that some psychology does help and stuff and if you've got an organization that's saying no psychology is bad people are gonna listen to the more factual proof i i feel anyway yeah but it's it's I'm just fascinated. There's so much more to it, so much more. And I've, like, given a aborted, abridged version of it here. But there's so much to it. And it's, like, 10 years I've been obsessed with Scientology about everything about it. I collect Scientology things. At least once a day. At least once a day, Nick brings up Scientology. No, I don't. That's a bit of an exaggeration. No, it's not. I'd say once a week I probably bring it up. No, Nick. No, Nick. I'm saying that, though. I have actually got him on a Scientology list by accident. Oh, yes. I Because I, I collect Scientology books, especially the, the first edition and early print ones. And there was a book I didn't have, and it was really cheap on eBay. So and, I brought it. Yeah, but Charlotte... Didn't realise. Well, the, the person who was selling it was just an individual. There was nothing about him. So as soon as I bought it... it, it no, comes I brought through, it. Uh, Charlotte, Charlotte brought it. Sorry, as soon as it comes through my door, it comes through with a load of Scientology leaflets. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. So now, sporadically, sporadically, I get... 
a load of Scientology stuff through my door and I've managed to stay sort of off any mailing list for, for a long time but then Charlie goes yeah. and fucks it up well you shouldn't tell me you want a book and then I spoil you and buy you this book because it was not cheap <coughs> if, and surprisingly like yeah. I buy books quite regularly and it's the most expensive book I've brought in a long time to tie things back to my two interests Psych- Scientology is actually in the first Fallout game is it? yeah it's called Hobology <laughs> Yeah. With Hubbard. Apology. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so if you please like go and watch stuff on Scientology, there are certain Louis things Thru's like Louis Theroux's documentary is really, really good on it. Well, the, the best documentary is Alex Gibney's <coughs> Going Clear. Um, yeah, Going Clear. It's based on a book called Going Clear as well, as a phenomenal documentary. And there's also the John Sweeney uh, documentaries. There's the Louis one. Louis is the only person I've ever seen freak out a Scientologist. And that's because Louis gives them the look that they practice and he knows it because he's that good of an investigative journalist. He's literally the only person I've ever seen. He's uh, great. He's great. I love Louis. Can we watch that? Yeah, we can watch that again. I love Louis. Scientology and me. It's like... um, it's like a fourth wall well documentaries don't really have a fourth wall but it's a documentary about trying to make a documentary it's done in an interesting way he's basically explaining how the process would go about making a documentary but documents it the whole way well it's it's actually it's not trying to make a documentary it's because he can't get access to anybody inside Scientology so he talks to somebody and they recreate with actors on a stage um, moments from Scientology um, from this guy's story so it's about it's a documentary about making that kind of like stage show I guess about Scientology but it's, it's really interesting my Rathbone's in it my Rathbone's disappeared in a minute but yeah who knows what's happened to him but I I like I said I mean there are abuses most of them seem to come from the top they've of course they've ruined people's lives of course they have they've taken money from people's lives in the best case scenario maybe they've 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 rinsed people of hundred thousand in the worst case they've actually seriously damaged people mentally and and that but i don't know there's there's a part of scientology as 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 bad as it can be i think there's there's maybe in the future it might reform and and change if its leadership changes if david miscavige isn't there maybe it could be something that is just there on the fringes and it it lets go of its well maybe actually it was because it was invented by a paranoid schizophrenic I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this. People could be allowed to believe whatever they believe. Just I'll leave it with that. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> I really don't but know where you're going I, with that. I, I, I wouldn't like a world without Scientology. I'll say that. Even you would. I wouldn't. Oh, okay. Even though it abuses people, so I don't know why that makes me a sociopath. Probably a high-functioning sociopath. Yeah. But yeah, that's been quite long, I think. Yeah, but it was good. Thank you very much. And like Nick says, if anybody wants to further their knowledge, because obviously Nick's got 10 years experience with this, but you can deep dive and you can deep dive and then you can go to Subpolar. There is a lot. Oh, I didn't mention about the breaking into the government offices. Quickly then. Oh, Hubbard's wife. In the the 80s, they were were trying to get stuff on government officials, IRS officials, so they broke into the IRS offices. Well, his wife did. His fucking wife and about three or four others. They got caught and it was like one of the biggest espionage operations, domestic 
domestic espionage operations in history and it was a Scientology thing and she went to prison he never got he never went to prison he's saying because he was hiding yes he was hiding anyway that was was that good are you done yep you sure Mm -hmm. any other little tidbits um Quickly. No, Time's it, a ticket. <laughs> but so just a quick update, guys. So we're going to be reducing how many podcasts that we put out purely because me and Nick have recent, well, not recently, but recently our workload has like tripled as well as Steph is having more video, like filming, like jobs and such. And obviously go Steph, go us, but we're not able to provide you guys the content so regularly, but we will still be keeping up with it. And to tie in as well, we're also going to be doing YouTube. We're going to be popping up like documentary styles. We're going to be deep diving into cases instead of doing a case and episode. So we'll be deep diving into certain cases such as, I don't know, like, uh, for example, Jack the Ripper, because he's one of my favorite. We'll be like doing a deep dive into that over a couple of episodes on YouTube. And then podcast wise, we'll be doing a summary and a quick chat about it. So you will got have stuff to listen to. I'm sure we'll put the, the, the narration from the YouTube up as a podcast. Yeah. As a so, podcast. Because we'll all still be on that and stuff. But there won't be much banter on those ones that are from the YouTube. It'll mainly be the end of the month on the when we chat about it. But we wanted to give you guys the heads up to say we're not going anywhere. We're just taking a little bit more time with things because we want to give you guys great content but at the same time unfortunately we all got to make a living yeah, great content I've been rambling on for two hours about Scientology <laughs> good that, content I've probably got it, things wrong in it there, but gonna, oh, again you know, if Nick does make mistakes like I've always said if any of us make go mistakes go fuck yourself not that I, I, my motto is let us know and I'm quite happy to correct Nick so I don't mind being the bearer of that good news <sighs> but with that I'm really regretting talking about this <laughs> with that I think we're going to do um, yeah. um, minor positive quotes yeah. and wrap it up so Nick I'm going to say um, I, I really wish Scientology the best I hope it does excellent things all the, all the best for David Miscavige you really just oh, great and yeah, anything negative I've said in today's episode, don't don't. I was joking. I was I was just having a little joke, and um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll you get on with your great great stuff, and I'll just yeah leave leave me alone. Um, my quote is "Live long and prosper." And I'm sure if Steph was here, she would say to David, you do you, boo, you do you. And with that... Why even the abusing? I mean, not abusing. I mean, no. I mean, no, like, you do you, boo, you do you. And with that, we're going to leave it there. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. No, no, no. Is that it? I wanted to listen to more horror and gore. No. Let them carry on with their day. If they want to find us, they can find us on... Facebook at Crimes, Creeps and Coffee Podcast, Twitter at CCNC Podcast, Instagram at Crime underscore Creeps underscore and underscore Coffee underscore Podcast. If they want to listen to more, they can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Castbox and all podcast apps. But for now, before he interrupts again, I think we should say goodbye. Bye!